I just love that we're just talking about it and he's holding his katana. Like he's not even watching it anymore. He's just I'm just, you know, this yeah. this is my life now. Dude, it's I cool. I don't know what you're going to do later this month with Black Phone. I I mean, besides... Welcome to the What's Already Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic Judge and Jerry. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Matt Zeniner. Better red than dead. And Alec Burgess. Let's get it. As always, we appreciate your help growing the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. Um, I'm going to stop there. I'm, you know, I'm going to start making our intros a little simpler. Just follow us, hit that like subscribe button. That's all. That's all we ask. We're, we're everywhere. Even TikTok. Yeah, we are. On yeah. TikTok. Go leave a, uh, go leave a request before JJ tells me to take the video down. Yeah. I saw that this morning. Oh, I got to look it up. I don't know. this. <laughs> it's always good when you get a TikTok notification that I don't even watch TikTok that much. So when it pops up, I see this banner on it. It's like, Hurry before JJ sees this. And I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, what did he do now? <laughs> so yeah, hurry up and get your uh get those requests in before I get after Alec about taking that down before we get bombarded with movies. <laughs> but yeah, today we're gonna talk TV though. Though this season of Stranger Things, which Was is this, what we're reviewing. Is this a TV show I, or is I, this a movie yeah. <laughs> in in the cloak and dagger form of TV? Because Episode seven was a movie. Yeah, it's a short movie. Yeah. No, JJ, it was a movie. It was over an hour and a half. That I know. is a movie. That's what I'm saying. I mean, nowadays it's kind of a short movie. I mean, hour and 40 <laughs> minutes is, most movies are two hours plus. But Well, when there was six other episodes in front of oh, it. No. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. This felt like watching three movies back to back, three long movies back to and back. And we, so. for the common folk, had to get this done in a shorter period of time. Like this was, JJ, I think, said he, did you binge watch this all in one day? All one night. How, well, like that, day, that's, yeah. what is the total time commitment on that? I don't know. And I haven't looked because, because I started out thinking story time, right? So I, I could have sworn that they were only releasing the first five episodes. I thought it was five episodes and four episodes was how it was going to break down. But turns out, no, it's seven and two or seven and three. I don't know how many are coming, but they were a minimum of an hour. I think most of them were an hour and 15 minutes an episode. So. Well, total runtime for season four is 13 hours. That's silly. Which let's see. Well, you've got six episodes at a minimum of an hour and 15 minutes. So it's almost nine hours for episodes one through seven. Yeah. So when I started it, I said, I'm just going to be watching five episodes. So we'll grind through it. And we watched five episodes. Casey went to bed about halfway through the fifth episode because she's not a huge Stranger Things fan. And I thought, this is it. I'm done. Right. And then it kept going. And then I got to seven and I'm like, son of a bitch, that's an hour and 40 minutes. So I was up till like two, two thirty in the morning. And that was the day after I was up till two thirty in the morning watching or three in the morning Obi-Wan. watching bloody Obi-Wan. So I was wrecked that weekend. Cause I was like, this sucks. So I was at my sister's fixing floors after being up hours on end. But so yeah, we're reviewing the first seven episodes of stranger things today. Which again, it's it's more cinematic than television. I mean, it's a long and it's a lot. And it's 
I think it's good. I have some issues that mostly concern the length of and the fact that they were stuffing so much content. And I feel like they could have streamlined. And I get the Duffer Brothers, they're that way. And the guy that directs most of them that we've become to big be a big fan of that I can't remember the name, his name now. Sean Levy. Sean Levy, yeah. He directs a lot of them. So when you think about it, all of these individuals that are part of this creation tend to put a lot of fluff in their content. So doesn't surprise me. But I think it the good far outweighs the fluff, in my opinion. But Wait, first, one thing I wanted to bring up, because everyone I know was worried with Stranger Things with the COVID and just the length of time they had in between seasons anyways, was the just age factor. I wanted to ask everyone here, like, did it did it bother y'all? Because, I mean, it's a pretty significant age gap from when they did some of the highlights back to, I guess you're watching one through seven and you saw some of this, it was pretty struggling. I was like, did you find yourself being okay with it? Uh, what'd you think? I thought it was weird. I think Millie Bobby Brown probably looked the best out of everybody. And then Lucas, but uh, who was it? Will and Mike looked just weird to me. I mean, Will still had his bowl cut and Mike looked like he... Mike looks horrible. He spent the last, you know, nine months in a Ghostbusters ghost trap and then got pulled <laughs> out. Pretty much. You know, it didn't bother me that much. I For me, it was like a because I've been paying so much attention to it and how the production has been going and things like that, just because I do that, that it wasn't a shock to me because I've seen how they grow. And it's really easy with like with Millie Bobby Brown, because she's been in other things that you've seen her like the Enola Holmes and things like that, where you've seen her as an adult. So it's not as strange to see her that way. I think for me, Lucas, the one that shocked me was when they show him, you see it in the trailer when he comes running out on the basketball court and you're like, whoa, he's tall. Like (laughs) he's an adult, you know what I mean? But I don't think it bothered me per se, but they definitely, I mean, they are definitely not kids anymore. Like they didn't really change. Like Max looks the same to me. Like, and then obviously the, the people that were already older, like, Nancy and Steve and everyone else like they were fine like it yeah that, that was totally fine and I didn't really find it bothering me too much but will, every time I saw Will and and Mike sometimes and especially Lucas as we mentioned though definitely sometimes I was like oh like these are not freshmen yeah in high school <laughs> these are like juniors or seniors at best yeah. but it was fine. Like it didn't detract from everything, but I'm glad. I think we already know there's only one more season, right? Yeah, there's a fifth. Yeah. And I think it's good knowing that because if they were to continue this from what they, they did, like keeping some of these characters in Hawkins and doing some of those things, I think would be, prove to be difficult. So I think it helped me know that there there is an end coming. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny that you say Max because I thought that Max looked exactly the same until... She has her head-to-head moment with Vecna and they do the flashback thing where she's like, she's basically, he's trying to kill her and she's having these flashbacks of the third season, which was her first season in the show. And you see how little she looked Mm. in those flashbacks. I was like, oh, geez. Like that's that to me was the stark difference of 
you know, you're not nine months removed or whatever it is that in the show that they show it, you're, you're a handful of years removed because she looked, Ooh, she was little when they did season three. I forgot that it has been that long. So she's one of my favorites though. So like Sadie Sink, I thought that was such a great choice to have her be the one that's on Vecna's radar the most. That leads into a question I've had as well for y'all episodes one through seven, who shined brightest in your opinion? That's a good one. I'm going to say Robin. I really enjoyed her in season three. I thought she was hilarious. And then in this one, she kind of just took center stage. It was a little bit later in the episodes, like episode four or five, where she (laughs) took over. But um, her relationship with Steve is just so great. And then you throw in Dustin. Yeah. It's just... (laughs) pure cold oh yeah well and then like the developing relationship between her and nancy that like at first you you feel like nancy's like a little jealous of her and weird because of her relationship with steve and yeah i i agree it's the telling you man it's the hawk family freaking year this year because that's the one thing about robin that i just distracts me is that every time maya hawk or or robin is on screen like all i see is her mom and dad in this human being. And I'm like, oh my, because she's like the perfect mixture of Ethan Hawke and, and Uma Thurman. Like, I'm just like, God, she looks just like both of her parents and it's really hmm. odd. But yeah, she kills it and she killed it in the third season and she's just funny as hell in this season. So I, I like that. For me, I think it does have to be Max. Like, I think she just is, like I said, I think the actress is so good and what she does and and how she plays this kind of tortured girl that is interesting because you hate Billy all through season three. He's a dick until the very end where he has like this kind of redeeming moment, but it's just not enough to save the all the dick shit he did throughout season one or three. But Sadie Sink and Max somehow make you feel something for this kid now that he's gone, even though she's like, yeah, you were a dick and we didn't get along. I'm like, how do you make me wish Billy was still here? Like, yeah. So it was, I really like her. I think she, to me was a standout her and uh, Susie, even though she's only in it for like five minutes throughout the whole thing, but mm. they really, those two really stole it for me. My favorite is what's the, and I, his name escapes me. He's the, um, the guy that knows karate, the the black belt. Oh, what's his name? I, I just remember when he was Yuri when he pretended to be yeah, Yuri. Yeah. That's, all I, that's all I remember him as now. Because he um, was always the crazy guy that Murray. 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 Yeah. Murray. Murray Yuri. Murray yeah, Yuri. Right. Yeah. I really liked Mary. I mean, in the other seasons, he started to play a bigger role and he's kind of this outlandish, like my way or the highway, paranoid conspiracy theorist type person but in this season i mean he's definitely coming to his own really provided some good comedic relief as well as just having some balls and kind of diving into a situation he didn't have to i mean he went all the way there to california went to alaska went to russia and i just liked when he's on screen because this the season's very heavy well not even very extremely heavy in, in some places and his character i think brought a lot of light and some lightheartedness, but also drove um, some pretty important plot points home. And just, 
I like them on screen. I think it was just really cool to see that the part on the airplane when he's talking about that 16 year old kid that he beat one time and he's like, and I did beat him and I could do this. And then he just goes in the total GMO. But then later episode seven, when he's in the control room in the prison and he beats up like four guys in a row and you just can see, he's just like, yeah, like that was so cool. Just yeah. cool. I do have to say though, that, uh, Another one I thought is little Erica. Oh, she's so she's good at this. so funny. I didn't like season three. She kind of, it was too much for me at times, yeah. but I think they figured out a better balance. Cause she, her, for me, her humor was much more placed in proper spots. Yeah. Well, and I love that she's the replacement for the D and D game in the early, you know, and it just was like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I liked her in season three. I'm with you though. She was a little over the top at times, but I've enjoyed her the whole show. Like she's always kind of been there just being the annoying little sister. So she was fun too. JJ, as being a D and D -er, I've been oh. a part-time D and D. -er. How did you feel about them taking hellfire and turning them into a sadistic cult that apparently worships <laughs> Satan and can kill people? Hey, look, I loved it. And the reason I loved it is because that shit was real in the 80s, dude. Like when I grew yeah, I was up. I going to ask you, like, was it because that yeah. was the rise of D&D. So what was that like? Because I'm sure people probably freaked out a little bit. No, not a little bit, dude. They literally called it the satanic panic. Like the 80s, if you talk to D&D people in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, when it came out and it was starting to get popular, it literally, that time frame for D&D people is called the satanic panic. And they literally thought that all D&D players were devil worshipers and, and a cult and it was real. Like, and I was too young to really get into it, but I remember when I was 10 or 11, early nineties and, and it was still people were trying to play. And, and my parents, I remember telling me not to get into that, like, because they didn't understand it. And it, it was just a lack of understanding, right. Of what it is. I mean, Alec, I know is like, neck deep in, in writing a campaign and, and Madsen, you've played with me. So, you know, it's not that like not even close, but it panicked people. It was a crazy, crazy time. Like it was nuts. It was like rock and roll back in the day. You know what I mean? Like it was, I do remember that. So it was really interesting to watch that play out in the show. Cause I was like, yeah, I believe it 100%. That was what it was like when I was younger. So I mean, maybe to an extreme, right? Where they were running them out of town, but it was like parents would stop letting you hang out with friends if you were playing Dungeons and Dragons. So it was nuts. That's why it's been so cool to see a resurgence of it in part, a big part, thanks to Stranger Things, especially that opening sequence in the first season where they're taking on the Demogorgon. Like it's, yeah, that really... And then, of course, at this, about the same time as when Critical Role started getting big on Twitch and YouTube. And so it was kind of a combination of things. And now, like, D&D's all the rage. Like, game stores are just killing it right now. Used to be you'd have a hard time finding any game store. We used to, I remember when I was selling cars, we wanted to find a 20-sided die for some of the, like, spiffs and some of the things that we used to do when we were selling to, like, some competitions and stuff. It was difficult to find a 20 sided die or more now do there's a game store every five miles that have dice and cards and it's crazy. So mm. 
but I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting take. And I will say that the bully kid, man, he pisses me off. So the actor's killing it. Cause every time he was on screen, I'm like, Oh, just shut your pie hole. Like I was so yeah, mad. I loved, I loved that they, that it was, I mean, it was basically a running joke that every prominent scene he gave like a rah, rah speech yeah. uh, at the, the pep rally for the game and just taking the, just tying in with some of the worst darkest moments in that city's history into winning a basketball game and then, (laughs) and then riling up the town and and he had one with his own basketball team. I just loved it because I loved how they leaned into, I'm like, this dude's going to be a politician or something. He's going to be a preacher. preacher. The more I thought about it, I was like, that part's kind of outlandish, but at the same time, like no small town riling people up, people are getting scared, something they don't understand. I probably would be that. I probably very much could be that way. Yeah. Especially in a town where shit happens all the time. Uh-huh. It was one of those things where it was such a dichotomy of how you feel about it. Cause you're like, this is so ridiculous that it's funny. But at the same time, when you sit and think about it, like it's not unreasonable because we see it now. Like people get fired up and start leading all sorts of ridiculous movements and get out and do insane shit based on one or two people that get them fired up and worked up. And I did laugh like the one that's in the, like the city council, not even the city council, but like the town hall meeting or whatever. And he gets all these adults worked up at the end. And the guy's like, fuck you guys wait. No. <laughs> so funny. But yeah. Was, it's interesting. That was also can't, it just makes me think of right now when, the cops were got a call to go back to one of the parents' house and they did that like peel out 180. I was like, you know, like maybe they could have just turned around. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are we, are we that, are we moving that fast in this small town? Like, yeah. and they only have like a sheriff and two police officers. I'm like, I just don't think you're going to, you're not really helping here at this point. You're just kind of taking a back seat. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they're spending, upwards of what it looks like at least a few hours in Mike's parents' house or whatever. And all these other people are probably out there looking and you're like, ah, we're fine. We're yeah. just going to focus on these people. Like when well, you're interrogating children without their parents there, like we're <laughs> in their other room. Like I was like, Oh my goodness, this is crazy. The eighties were an interesting time. My friends, <laughs> very interesting time. I want to talk about Vecna for a little bit, at least how we were introduced. Like the Stranger Things for me was definitely, they leaned more into the gore, the horror, things of that nature. I, I would say even more so than we've we've seen before. But Vecna was supposed to be kind of this all, all-encompassing bad guy and such, but I found myself just, I wasn't very terrified by him or frightened because he was so CGI and so the way that they showed him. I was never worried when he was on screen. It's like, nah, it w- it'll just be him and his deep voice. But it was always those other, like the way people died, that was freaky or the clock and things like that. Those suspenseful moments landed more for me than actually Vecna on screen. Like when he was on screen, it was just kind of like a meth point to me. Yeah. Alec, how'd you feel about it? As our I was terrified. Jumpy guy. <laughs> terrified for about six and a half episodes. Mm. And when we kind of learned the origin story of Vecna, I was like, oh, well, that's that's not as scary. But for the first bit, I was terrified, mostly because of what Matson kind of said, the way that they died. Yeah. That's like my biggest fear is not being able to see what's killing you, Oof. right? Or not yeah, know where it's coming from. Yeah. You're back to the wall, get Steve Harrington's barbed wire baseball bat. and. <laughs> 
you're good to go. Yeah. The deaths in this movie were pretty awesome, even with the CGI where it wasn't perfect. But there was a time as a CGI for me kind of detracted things some. But overall, I would say they did a pretty good job there. Yeah. Yeah. I always go into Netflix stuff knowing that there's going to be budgetary concerns when it comes to the CGI and it's just never going to be quite as good. I was pretty impressed with Vecna's look most of the time. And they did do a lot of it practically. The dude was in a suit. So the guy, big spoilers, in case you're listening, we're 20 minutes in, but big spoilers. I was listening to an interview from that actor and he actually got into the suit and it was, he mm. was in makeup for seven hours because it was a full body suit that he was in for that to be that. So when he's walking around and you see him, that's actually that dude in a suit. And then the CGI is to like make the, yeah, like tentacle shit are moving on him a little, but I, I, yeah. I guess I enjoyed those things less. I liked when it was practical effects just after Top Gun Maverick. Like it's just hard to beat some yeah. of those things, and I I appreciate more of that when they can do that. I didn't really enjoy what they showed and what he was presenting. Like I liked when he was having conversations with those characters and speaking, especially just him and Max. That's really where we yeah. got to know Vecna. That was great, and the house scene with him, I enjoyed that. But the other parts of it just were really, they didn't land for me. No, I, I don't disagree with you. Like him on screen was less frightening than him when you couldn't see him per se, but you could hear him and he was kind of slow. He was like doing the whole Jason chase where he just yeah. barely moved. And then you're not wrong. Like that first kill of that girl, that cheerleader, dude, that shit was so unexpected and brutal. Yep. Like with her bones breaking and her eyes yep. freaking popping out of her. Like I was just like, Jesus, like they're going there. So the kill shocked me. Like even when it happened, I was like, oh damn out loud. Cause I just wasn't expecting her to be up in the air. And then like the bones start snapping and the dude sitting there watching it. I was like, fuck, that's brutal. So then I was worried about watching that again because it was so mm -hmm. brutal. Every time he, I was I wasn't afraid of him. I just didn't want to watch the bones yeah. getting snapped and the eyes come sinking into their face. You know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, I think, no. I think they showed us too much Vecna. And I think that's yeah. what part of the end reveal suffered. I liked who Vecna is now, but I think if they showed us less and just showed us the killings and the voice and maybe a couple, you know, like quick pans of like Vecna's like shoulder up or something like that. Yeah. I believe it would have been more powerful because the more we saw Vecna and him just kind of standing and having those tentacles in him and doing his thing, humanizing is not the right word, but it lessened the fear factor and it could have been well better positioned to kind of have this like boom moment. And, yeah. but with the Vecna reveal, I was more like, okay, we already know who this guy's about. And I don't know. It's just the more he was on screen, the less I cared. Yeah. So I have a scaredy cat story and I texted JJ this. <laughs> I live in an apartment and Oshi insisted upon watching Stranger Things with the lights off so we could see the monsters better. And in my kitchen, I have an arrow garden. So in the episode where they are searching for Vecna in the old abandoned creepy scary house and he's in the upside down and they're following through the lights, when their lights go out, the timer went off on my arrow garden <laughs> And I jumped about four <laughs> feet from a sitting position straight up in the air. And I, I freaked out for a good solid five minutes because it was like instant. Like as soon as their lights went out, my light went out and I, I about died. So there's my wussy moment for the, for the podcast. 
I just love that we're just talking about it and he's holding his katana. Like he's not even watching it anymore. He's just I'm just, you know, this yeah. is this is my life now. Dude, it's I cool. I don't know what you're going to do later this month with Black Phone. I, <laughs> I mean, besides besides that like initial death or two, like it wasn't, I wouldn't really say it was scary at that point. No. There was some tense moments. Like, and Alec, for I say people like you, like you're some kind of pariah or something. But for those of you that get scared easy and really live in that state of fear because of something like this, like, which I've never been since I'm a kid, you know what I mean? But for me, it's just like this buildup of what's coming, right? Like, and it, So I don't get scared, but I do have moments where like I'm tense and I'm like, ooh, this is really... And so that's how I... When I think of like a good horror movie, I don't think of it as, a, ooh, I jumped. Or I, it's Was I uncomfortable for an amount of time for me? So that... And I had moments of that, but I'm with you, Matt, and I think they could have done the reveal better because one of the best things about the first season and even the second season is you didn't have, I mean, the Demogorgon was there, but you didn't see it much. You would see flashes of it as it like turned around and Barbara turned around and it was there. Or, you know, at the end you see it when Eleven's fighting it, but you didn't see it much. So there was like this, holy shit, that looks gnarly when I do get to see a flash of it, but I don't know what it looks like. And it was the same with the mind flare in the second season where it was in the upside down and all you saw was the shadow. You didn't really see it. Now the third season for me, like the flesh monster piece didn't work for me very much either. The version of the mind flare that was in the mall. Now the fight worked and the whole thing, but that's because of Billy and 11 and like their scenes together were far better than this weird flesh spider thing. So for me, I'm with you. The more they put him on and the earlier they put it on, the less impact it has. I think if you would have left him as a voice and a shadow, even like you could have shown him, but have it just be the silhouette of this humanoid figure walking with a large left hand because that's a Vecna thing. Vecna's hand is like a mm. a thing. Yeah, just show D&D. the hand. Like, yeah, that just awesome. show the hand, the larger hand, and then like, yeah, I think that would have been cool as hell until you got to Max's moment where she finds her way into his little corner of the upside down, right? Then show him. And even then, just show him briefly coming up on her and then show that hand again as it wraps around her head. I think you could have done a little different to make it a little more intense and make him a little more frightening. And I will say the one part that really bothered me about him is when you get that reveal of number one, getting pushed into the upside down by 11 and that terrible ass CGI of him transforming. Like don't show his whole face. Like if you can't do it and do it decently, just show his hand with the one on it and show it, turn it and then have it follow up. It his reminded arm. me of Morbius yeah. uh, like with something that looked I was like, Oh, that wasn't good. It was so bad. And I was so upset because this is your climax of introducing how he became Vecna and who he is. And I'm so distracted by your terrible ass CGI that I was like, no. And then when they zoomed in on the 001, I hated that. I was like, oh, this is, that's so bad. That's so yeah, cheesy. It's like, terrible. Well, and it's giant because his hand's so yeah, big. I'm like, oh, it, was, it looks so, I was like, it's not that big. Like, why? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. So, 
on that note, JJ, I want to know, because if our listeners know you well, they know you pick up on things very, very quickly. So how soon did you know that Vecna was who Vecna was revealed to be? So when they introduce the orderly, right? The guy that's talking to Eleven, and he said, you remind me of, of one and all his secretive. Instantly, I looked at Casey and I said, oh, that's the original. That's, does Casey hate you sometimes? Uh, yeah, she gets mad at me sometimes, but she does it too. She's learned to do it back. Mm. So we have our moments, but yeah, I knew I was like, that's number one. I was like, they've somehow suppressed his powers, whatever it is, but that's number one. And then because it's just, it was so freaking lug headed obvious when he was like, you remind me of number one. And I'm like, well, they're not going to, and again, it's all about, I wish studios and I know why they don't, but I wish studios would be a little more subtle about who they get to play parts. You have Jamie Campbell Bauer, who is the actor and he's not like a huge A-list actor, but he's been in some bigger movies. Anyway, it's one of those things that as soon as I saw him, I was like, he's going to have a bigger part than they're going to let on. And they try to lead you into well, he's just going to help her escape. But we know he doesn't because at the beginning of the first season, that's not how she gets out is the help of him. You know what I mean? And so as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, well, there's number one. And then I think it was probably two or three episodes later, it started to dawn on me. I'm like, oh, God, he's going to be. Because at first I thought, oh, she massacred these kids because they bullied her and they're tying it into the bullying that they've got going on with her now and she's going to lose control. And that's what happened in the thing. And then it started to dawn on me. I was like, no, but 11 wouldn't kill. Like she'd had a hard time fighting even Billy. She didn't want to hurt Billy. She who was a dick. I was like, that's not who she is throughout what we've seen. And so then I was like, oh, he is not going to be her that, that killed all of them. It's going to be whoever Vecna turns out to be. And so then for a couple episodes, I was like, I just didn't think about it. But then as soon as episode seven started, I'm like, oh, shit. Vecna's number one. And she threw him into the. Did you know that the kid, though? No, I had that one got me was the whole like tie in. Because that was cool. Because when they started doing that, I was like, I gave them props. I was like, you know what? Don't love how much you showed Vecna before, but how you got him to be. I'm like, kudos. You did great there because I. Appreciated all that. Didn't yeah. see that happening. No, I didn't. And that, and like the fact that all of those kids are like clones of the original, like we knew that kind of, but like the way that they showed it. And then the fact that she created Vecna and that's how the first portal to the upside down was open. Like I really liked that. And then, yeah, what really got me, got me was the fact that, cause I kept wondering, I'm like, how has Vecna been around since 1950 or whatever, whatever the hell date, because it doesn't make sense. But then when they show the kid killing his dad and like, or killing his mom and torture, like that was, I was like, Oh, that one got me. I didn't see that one coming. So I liked that part. Poor family. But I did see number one and that being. So with Vecna had effectively been in the upside down for I don't know what, three, four, five years, six years, maybe something like that, right? Yeah, however long it's been going on. So I'm on. assuming the reason he didn't strike sooner is he's figuring out his powers, figuring out how to make all this happen. Like, I don't know, I was just thinking about that last night about we're still trying to kind of figure out his end goal 
but I'm assuming he is trying to inflict pain back. Like why hasn't he already just gone after 11? I was trying to think about that and I don't know if anyone has any thoughts, but I don't know if we, we fully know that yet. Yeah, I don't think we do. And I still think, and this is just me, so I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I, I still think that the mind flayer is the big bad in the upside down because that flesh monster was just a representation of him in the real world, in our world versus the upside down. And they did mention in the show Vecna being like the, yeah, the his yeah, so number one general. general or whatever. So I don't think, I think Vecna is just a means to an end that's going to carry through. And I don't know, maybe he makes it into the final season. But to me, it's almost like an answer of who's number one. Now we have that answer. We see where the Upside Down was created. Because to me, it looked like the Upside Down was like the version that's there of the town of Hawkins is there because of Vecna and Eleven sending him there in that way. Cause I guess it's only been two years ago. Cause Nancy said it. Yeah. It's basically been two years since that portal was opened. Yeah. And when you look at the fact that when he first gets sent there, it doesn't look like Hawkins. It's like this weird, almost like desert kind of thing. That's like, just got the weird red light. So my thing is, is, is Vecna tied to the mind flare? Has he always been? So I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions to be answered, but I don't think he's our big, big, big bad. I think yeah, do you think he makes it out of this season or dies? I hope he doesn't because I think it's always going to be a struggle for Eleven. I think what you're going to see is Eleven realizing that she created what's happening mm-hmm. in Hawkins, not just opening a door to it, but actually creating that version of the Upside Down. Now, the only thing that makes me think differently is we see when... Steve and his group go in through the water gate and they talk about all the tentacles that are tied together that we learned through Will being in there, that all those things are, all of those are what Vecna's hooking himself to Mm -hmm. and tracking everyone when they're in the upside down. So that's obviously the parts that he's building and using to cover everything over there. So maybe he is the guy. And in which case, He'll be, I'm sure, through season five. But so I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions left to be answered, which is why my quick shout out to Netflix for pissing me off and just not giving us the last three episodes can <laughs> eat me. That shit irritates me. But anyway, they got to get through Q2 with their subscriber count. Exactly. Drops July 1st. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that but i i don't know i could go two ways either he will be or the mind flare is still there some way i think i tend to agree with you jj that there seems to be like this conflict resolution that needs to happen between one slash vecta with 11 now that she's realizing hey i didn't kill all those people oh snap i opened this portal this individual's in there now she probably i don't think she knows yet that he is alive but i feel like that's going to happen soon but my question there is vecna knows all this why hasn't vecna gone after 11 and that's been my question because he's preying on these other people and they haven't necessarily been people that are directly connected to 11 that would like cause her to max is a different story but the other people honestly have nothing to do with 11 and so 
you would think what we know about one, why isn't he immediately used whatever he's figured out in the upside down to go after 11? That's where I've had a little pause for concern because you would, he seems like a very vindictive person. And from what we saw with <laughs> yeah. him being in, in the Hawkins lab and just killing everything that walked, that's where I've been. Is he afraid of her? Is he probing? And I don't, I don't know, but he also... I thought we would have seen some intentions of him trying to get 11, but maybe opening these portals, there's a grand plan with the mind flare to go after 11 now. I don't know. That's what, what it's got me thinking about. Cause I would think he, he's doing all this to get back at her, but I just haven't felt that motivation per se yet. But I think we're going to come to that resolution here in the next, what, three episodes. Cause that, what I worry about is if Vecta continues into the fifth, season and final season anytime that we have more than one kind of bad guy things don't turn out well agreed i have a theory for that because vecna like his targets all experience trauma or like some sort of guilt or survivor's guilt guilt Mm -hmm. with who he attacked or who he went after and 11 did not remember hers she had to watch it while she was in nina she had blocked it from her mind so I wonder if we will see that in the next three episodes, Vecna targeting Eleven because now she knows about it or she's remembered, you know, they've unlocked her mind to where she blocked it out. And so now he can target her. Good thing is now she has her powers back or she's on the road to getting them back. Yeah, uh, that's a fair point out because we saw in that one scene where he's actually reminded me of X-Men with Cerebro, you know, when he's like trying to find mutants, it yeah. looked like that. They got some inspiration there. Yeah, um, sure. but maybe she has now popped up on his, what would be Vecna's radar to be like, Oh, there she is. Cause otherwise, because he's in the upside down, can't sense people until they pop up in that way. So that, that might actually be, I think that's a great theory. Well, and the other question is, is all through my fingers. Like yeah. this. <laughs> Well, and the other question is, is can he see her because she's in California or in Nevada because she's out of Hawkins, right? And I, so I don't know if he's limited to Hawkins. And it really, for me, it brings up, this whole conversation brings up another question. And that is if, if Vecna's been there the whole time and he's had these powers, then where was he in the first two, three seasons? Sure. Right? And if he is the guy... Did he send the mind flare? Did he send the Demogorgon? Because they were after 11. Both of them were specifically. The whole thing was to go after 11. So did they send them? So does that mean he is the guy in the upside down? So I don't know. I think there's a lot of, I think it's created a lot of questions because I think that's also one of the things you could look at as kind of like a, a Thanos principle, right? So here's Vecna sending the Demogorgon to get 11 doesn't work. Sends the mind flare twice to get 11 doesn't work. Now he's like, fuck it, I'll do it myself, right? So now he's involved. But I think, yeah, again, that opens up a lot of questions, which are very good. But my part with this mind flare thing, I almost hope it's be, I wouldn't mind if it's Vecna because the problem with the mind flare though, JJ's, it doesn't talk mm-hmm. and it doesn't have any, which has worked for the upside down in ways, but to have this final culmination, I feel like you would need something that has feeling and reasoning beyond just being pure evil that can't tell me anything. Yeah. I don't know if I would enjoy that at yeah. the end. Cause it just wouldn't seem like it was 
really anything at mm-hmm. that point. So I, I don't know. I worry about that. Yeah. No, I think the more we sit here and talk about it, the more I think about it, I think it, Vecna kind of has to be the guy. Because if it goes back to Mind Flayer, then it's just like, what is it then? Yeah. I'm going to ruin my last credible theory and say the Mind Flayer is Argyle. Argyle. Oh Alec, every time Argyle's on screen, I actually think of you because you have long hair. And, I, and I, Taylor and I were like, that's Alec. I'm like, what Alec? Oh, I love it. Especially, we have the same golf skills. So, yeah, it's right up there. Shit, 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 shit. Yeah, pretty much. That was so funny. I did love him, by the way. He was such a great addition to the show, Argyle. I don't know. I hope they do some different things with Vecna if he's going to be the big bad. I'd be interested to see if the whole thing is that for season five is they have to pull number one back because if, if number one is the reason that the upside down is what it is being Vecna, then it, do you have to bring him back in his human form? And then the final showdown takes place in that way. Cause he's obviously monumentally powerful. So it should be interesting. I mean, and I think that's where I get excited. I didn't know how this season was going because it was so long and there was so much going on with the different groups that I felt like almost like it was too much at times. But at the same time, when it was all said and done, I'm like, son of a bitch. I want those last three episodes. So at the end of the day, they did a really good job tying me in and wanting to keep me interested and in, in knowing more. So I, I can't complain too much. I do have a, a question for you about uh, how'd you guys feel going back to some funnier shit? Like, the trip to Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I love it's when you did you prepared me for it. I actually didn't think they, they made it in his face as I even thought they were I thought they were gonna lean into it even more than they did. Oh. I think it was skillfully done. It just made me laugh. So those of you that don't know, I'm I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, aka Mormons. I thought it was so funny. Yeah. Just the little tidbits. They had like some really kind of weird looking picture of Jesus on one of her walls that <laughs> We definitely, no one ever uses that picture. So that was just, I don't know where they found they that. They did that legit in one. the 70s though. I uh, know, like, I've seen it before. It was yep. bad, but it was funny. I, I think all the kids and just showing the chaos and not sure where the mom was and everything, but the house was just felt gigantic. I was like, this yeah. is a huge house. So, yeah, But yeah, I liked it a lot. And yeah. I just thought it was cool that Suzuki was a, a girl and, and talking about the internet and being a programmer. And mm-hmm. I think it's cool for the progressive culture that we need today to get more more women and diversity in tech just because I work in that field. And I thought that was super cool to see that too. But man, it was funny. Like it was yeah. just hard not to laugh at the culture that I've been a part of there. And um, <laughs> yeah, it just made me laugh. Oh, dude, I was giggling my ass off because I've known a version of that family, right? So when I was a kid, and this wasn't in Utah, but I also grew up in that faith, not there anymore, as you guys could probably tell listening to me throughout the podcast, but I grew up in that faith and I knew a family, one of my dad's for really good friends. They had 12 kids, very LDS, and uh, they had all of those stereotypes, the really artistic ones and then the techie ones, and then they all had their own thing. And then you had the one rebel kid that ends up out in freaking van with argyle smoking pot like i was like this is the greatest fucking shit i was laughing so hard and i was just giggling going this is great i love it like there's no reason to have this but it's perfect like it was just amazing so i really enjoyed I that it was probably one of those things that you while we enjoyed it they could have cut it like sure. areas that they could have saved some time and things like in all reality it wasn't 
necessary for them to go all the way up there. They could have figured out a way to contact her and had her help her out remotely. Cause there definitely were a fair bit of things that I could have done without to shorten some of these things. Sure. Yeah. There but was a lot of historical Matson. That was historically <laughs> accurate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then the dad, like, locking himself in his office because he's got kids running around everywhere. It's great. And they let the feral child open the door. Yeah, loved it. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about with this season? I mean, there's so much more we could say, but I also don't want to have a crazy runtime like this. Uh, this yeah. season of Stranger Things, so I think I'm good. I think we covered all the major bits. I mean... There's a lot of little story things like you got the mic and the whole hide and the bullying and, you know, the normal teenager things that were there. But I think the major story beats we covered. Agreed. And Alec peeing himself for seven, yeah. 13 hours. I will say we should talk about this for the next couple minutes before we move on. Cause we didn't talk about Hopper and Russia. We talked about Murray. Oh, we didn't really touch that. Yeah. But, and here's the sad part. Look, I love Hopper as a character and I love David, David Harbour. Harbour. Like, I think they're fantastic. But I was so not interested in that storyline. Like, I had no interest whatsoever. The longer it went, every time it would pop up in Russia, and I'm like, eh, move along. I don't need, let's just hurry up and have her come and save him in the background. And then he's there when they get back. Like, I, And I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority there, but I just didn't feel like that added much to the whole season. It just didn't work for me. Uh, I agree with you. Like I like him so much and it just wasn't Hopper of old. Just felt like they were trying to keep him in. I'm like, well, if you really wanted to show him that much, maybe don't turn him over to the Russians. And when I originally saw him disappear, I knew he was in Russia. I thought maybe he had to go through the upside down and came through some other portal in Russia. And that's why, and he had have to come back in a cool way. But then the more that he was there, I was like, I don't know what we're trying to really show here that we're just trying to give Joyce and Murray and Hopper their own kind of storyline, but it isn't connecting in any way so far. But then Hopper then was like, well, now I can help Elle. Like I got to give her more. I'm like, well, we also could have figured that out in a completely different way that wasn't as time consuming and fit the story that we're trying to tell back in the States. So I think it was it was a plus one thing that just was really a flop for me. I think they stretched it. I would have had him escape Yuri, not be a backstabbing, you know, mm-hmm. money grabbing Russian and have him show back up in the States. Yeah, because uh, I liked it out a lot. Yeah, I liked it up to the point where like he got the plan, the plan going. He's bribed one of the guards. You know, there's a plan in place. And then he gets away and I was like, cool. But then where it started to drag for me was when you had Joyce Murray and Yuri and then all these things I knew was going to happen because in the trailer it shows Hopper with his flaming spear. So I was like, oh, well, he doesn't get away. So I wasn't emotionally believable at that point. It's like, look, if you're you're coming to Russia to this crazy prison that no one knows, like you're going to bust me like, no, you're not like you're going to die. It's not happening. Like they got too outlandish for me. Yeah. I'm with you though, Matt. And I think just hearing you say that, I think I would have liked him to have been stuck. And I think you could have done the same emotional journey with him if he'd have gotten thrown into the upside down on the Russian side and had to travel through the upside down to Hawkins. Like, and because you could have let him learn 
more about what's going on in the upside down and even run into Vecna at the end, maybe in some way, shape or form, and maybe could have saved, set him up to save, help save Max, or you could help him save now that Nancy's stuck at the end, like show him coming. I think it would have tied in better. And I think you would have had a lot more. Of course, then you don't have anything for Murray and what's her face to do. So it's tough carrying that many characters and that many stories, but I just didn't, Sadly, because Hopper is one of my favorite and David Harbour is one of my favorite actors in this whole thing, it just didn't work for me. They did him dirty. I'm like, yeah, what we like about Hopper, he wasn't Hopper and they took him out of what he was best for. And I'm like, well, then maybe we should have just let him die if that's the case. So I hope he comes back in season five. He gets to be what he was, which I think if they're smart, they will do that. Yeah. And I think to your point, I think, he probably was supposed to die and everybody was so pissed off at the end of season yeah. three when he did that they decided to write him back in and that forced this weird storyline that yeah, to I me think, didn't work. Yeah, but it, it's always a thing with TV shows. Like you have to kill people and you want to kill someone that means something. But yeah, when you realize fully killed off Hopper, I was excited to see him again. And now that I saw sure. him, I'm not as much, but I really think it would have harmed for me, Hopper is my favorite character from one through three. Yeah. And they, that would have been a huge blow if he was truly gone. Yeah. I think they could have left him out of this season, though. And I think, sure. you know, I think they could have left him and then bring him in in the beginning of season five and he just gets away or something. Anyway, a lot of different ways they could have done it, but that was a big disappointment for me. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll do July 1st. The last three are going to release. Apparently, they're all as long as number seven. So you're three, four hours minimum for these last two or three episodes. I'm looking forward to it, though, because I will say at the end of this season, and then what we have, I was like, oh, man, I need more. I want to know what's going on. And it was a huge cliffhanger. So looking forward to it. We'll cover it. We'll do an episode that'll talk about those last few and tie it all together. But I think final thoughts for me, I enjoyed it overall. It was a lot. It was long. There was some extra stuff that wasn't necessary. They didn't get all the storylines right, but it was enjoyable. It was Stranger Things. Interested to see where it goes. Alec, what about your final thoughts, buddy? Final thoughts. I enjoyed it. It was scary, but there were also a couple kind of callbacks to earlier seasons that I enjoyed. When Vecna like, first kills someone, he does his neck. Yeah. And that's the first way Eleven kills someone. So she's like picking up stuff from you know, number one. And then the other one was when they were talking about Susie at first mm. and yeah, you know, we, we met her last summer and I think Will starts singing the song yeah. Never End Story. And I was like, Never End Story. Yeah. There was enough of those funny moments to offset the pure abstract terror I was feeling for most of the season. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next three. Yeah, good. Matson. It was good. I, I mean, I was entertained. I like how things kind of tied together in episode seven. At times it did feel long. I think I would have loved to have seen this come out like a year and a half ago, two years ago, because they're getting older. It's becoming less believable. You, know, you heard me just talk about the Hopper situation. Really big, just kind of downer for me in that regard. Just wasting, in my opinion, my favorite character of the show. I do like some of the new additions. I'm forgetting the D&D guy's name. Mm. Um, 
Eddie. I like this character. I like the infusion there. I still like that they're leaning pretty heavily on Steve and, and Nancy, especially Steve. I, I appreciate him on screen. I really like Max's performance going through her trauma with Vecna. Like I've, you've already heard me say, I wish Vecna was this more obscure character that we had the voice in some flashes. We saw too much of him. And I really think that detracted from him as a villain. But I liked twist at the end with the little boy becoming one, becoming Vecna. Job well done, writers. Like that was, I was very impressed with that. So all in all, I think these are, it's so hard to put this together. So hard to write something like this and continue it. So I, while I'm picking apart at it in places, I mean, great job overall. I'm excited to see how they end this. And I'm, yeah, I think the biggest question we've talked about, at least for me, is where does Vecna fit? Is he our only villain for season four or is it continuing to season five? Cause I just, I want a resolution that feels meaningful from an emotional standpoint, not just pure evil that can't talk. And that's what I'm told to believe that this all was. I want it to be more than that. I like that. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, join us, you know, probably in July sometime after the, the next few episodes come out, we'll cover those. We'll give it a rating and sure at that point overall, but not too bad for a comeback after a few years with COVID and all that crazy stuff. So looking forward to what they have planned moving forward. A lot of other stuff coming. Matt's and tell them where they can find all that and how they can uh, keep up with us. Yeah. If you want to find us and listen, like JJ said earlier, we got a lot of TV upcoming. I mean, Obi-Wan's ongoing weekly. You'll see they get released every Thursday. Three more episodes, I think, to go there. The Boys is going to be dropping here shortly. Something that I'm personally stoked about. This is actually probably what I'm going to start doing right after this Mm -hmm. podcast is I do some chores. And then sprinkling in, I think our next big movie is Jurassic World, the the final saga of Chris Pratt and bring back some of our our old tried and true uh, dinosaur individuals there. And then Miss Marvel's coming up as well. So a lot of things to check us out. So come listen at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it may be. If you get confused, come check out whatsourverdict.com or Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to kind of see what we have released and, and will release. And then if you want some entertainment, you want to laugh, mm-hmm. you need Argyle in your life, as we've, we've mentioned, <laughs> come check out TikTok as Alec is is rocking it from uh, different avenues that he he's bringing jokes to your phone. So appreciate it. Hit that follow, like, or subscribe button and Go on TikTok for those of you that haven't and tell us what you want to listen to. For sure. All right. Thanks, Matson. Well, gentlemen, that was a lot of fun. As always, everyone, we appreciate you tuning in, listening to us. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Cinemagic out. <laughs>